As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So, Cristiano Ronaldo has completed the most moneyed move in football history. He's joined Saudi Arabian side Al Nasser, where he'll earn a reported £173 million a year. Coming up, we'll discuss how that deal was done and what awaits Ronaldo after a pretty strange six months of walkouts, tears and that interview. I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Late in the night at Old Trafford, the game is not up. The whistle has not gone, but Cristiano Ronaldo is no longer in the stadium. Well, he's in the stadium, but he's nowhere near the pitch. What's just happened, Clinton? He's walked down the tunnel. I just saw him. I don't know where he's going, but he has walked down the tunnel. Yes, I feel betrayed, and I felt that some people that don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. Cristiano Ronaldo is to leave Manchester United by mutual agreement with immediate effect. The Qatar World Cup offers a final chance at glory for both Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo on the international stage. Ramos! That's why he was picked! The man chosen if it was just about money, you would be, you'd be in Saudi Arabia, right, earning this king's ransom. But you, that's not what motivates you. You want to keep at the exactly, top. Exactly, because I thought, I, I, I still believe that I can't score many, many goals and help the team. Breaking news, Cristiano Ronaldo has signed for Saudi side Al Nasser. Another round of applause to our great player and star. Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not the end of my career to come in South Africa. This is why I want to change. And to be honest, I really don't worry about what the people say. Okay, let's get into it then. We've got two gentlemen who have got to know each other quite well over the last month or so. Um, Nick Miller and Laurie Whitwell. You've been writing about Cristiano Ronaldo this week as well. Uh, Nick, you wrote about his unveiling in Saudi Arabia. It definitely was Saudi Arabia, wasn't it? It was Saudi Arabia. Uh, He said South Africa. The funny thing about, I mean, it's just a slip of the tongue. Could happen to anyone. But the funny funny thing I found about that was that he didn't correct himself and then no one dared to correct him as well. It was like, uh, does he he know he's he's in Saudi Arabia, he's not in South Africa? Can we say anything? Can we, no, you, you say something. You say something. No, no, no one's going to say anything. Um, 
but yeah, it was a a, a slightly odd moment in a, a, a unveiling of many many odd moments. Was that the standout line? Then? I thought that the the standout bit was where he was talking about. He said something along the lines of, "Well, not something along the lines of." Here's what he actually said: "In Europe, my work is done. I've I won everything. Play for the biggest clubs, and now I have a new challenge, which is kind of objectively true. He's pretty much won everything in." Club football almost won everything in international football as well, but it just sounded like a man trying to convince himself in kind of real time that this was all a good idea and this is exactly what the plan was and this is this is what he wanted. He's it's like he's trying to convince himself that I've completed European football, so now I must move on and take my talents to somewhere somewhere else. Laurie, in terms of your understanding of the situation. Did he actually think that he'd completed Europe and so he'd go to the Middle East or was it just the only reasonable offer on the table? Well, it's it's more than a reasonable offer, isn't it? I mean, I think it had been there for, for, <laughs> for quite a while. Um, certainly, even before he rejoined Manchester United, I think there was attempts to get him to Saudi Arabia and um, certainly uh, players at Manchester United were well aware that you know Ronaldo was telling them, you know, I can go at any point and earn shed loads of money. So um, that was always on the table, but you know, I think everybody knows that he was trying to get to another Champions League club. We've reported it ad nauseum that whether it was to win another Champions League title or whether it was to uh, enhance or um, make sure that he would finish as the top goal scorer in Champions League competition. I think that it was the primary aim of his objections to get uh, objectives to get out of Manchester United. There you go. I, everyone misspeaks sometimes, and so yeah, clearly. But then ultimately, you know, you've heard from actual sporting directors at various different clubs that have said, you know, we were approached and no, he wasn't for us. And it kind of kept happening where actually these guys aren't afraid of publicly saying that distancing themselves from Ronaldo's joining them. Um, and I think everyone that was approached that he felt he could join um, said, actually, for the squad harmony, for the cost of the deal, it's not one for us. And, and maybe he did have offers from Europe that were of a lower level, but I, I don't think any serious offer was there because otherwise he would have taken it. I do genuinely think that he wanted to finish on a high note. It's only six weeks or so since he gave that interview with Piers Morgan where you know the idea of Saudi Arabia was kind of scoffed at really, uh, particularly with Piers Morgan's question, you know, talking about you know you could go there for a king's ransom and but I, I detect that you want to stay and fight at the highest level and Ronaldo agreed with him. So has something changed since then or is that just realisation actually those options aren't on the table right now and fair enough if you want to go to Saudi Arabia and earn a lot of money and, and enhance what they believe is going to be um, a Middle East and push for global recognition then I suppose fair enough. Yeah it's 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 interesting that uh, I mean I, I wrote my piece just kind of based on the um, the introduction what I kind of assumed slash gleaned from that but it was interesting that Laurie's piece kind of backed up some of my uh, knee jerk, knee jerk hunches, suspicions. suspicions. Yeah. Like, like the the idea that he he was sort of yeah. he couldn't quite accept that nobody in Europe wanted him. So this is you know obviously the only offer he could, and the, the uh, as, as you were saying, he, he he said he had offers from Europe and America and Australia and all all these other kind of places. Which, on the one hand, there's no real reason to disbelieve him. I'm sure there were offers from some places in, in Europe and all these other places. But on the other hand, it was a little bit... I had these offers, I'm not going to tell you who, but trust me, I've got, I had all these very nice offers and this is the one I've chosen. Ricardo Regifé. Um, Laurie, you've written about him. Nick teased the fact that you'd written the article a moment ago as well. Um, it's a very, very revealing read 
um, a sort of peek behind the curtain of this deal, so to speak. And I think the most fascinating aspect of it, people obviously can go and read it on The Athletic right now if they want to know um, exactly what you've written. But I think the most interesting aspect about it is this idea of of George Mendes, who's been such a huge influence and guiding figure, father figure, actually, I think Ronaldo's called him in the past, over Ronaldo's career, not really being a part of things the same as before. No, not involved in this deal, um, categorically. So that's a huge sea change from what we've had throughout Ronaldo's career, dating back to Sporting Lisbon. You know, uh, Mendes has been the guy that has facilitated moves to Manchester United, Real Madrid, Juventus, back to Manchester United. You know, we uh, recall Ed Woodward on the phone to him in his back garden, you know, as Gary Lineker told us, on, on the phone to George Mendes doing that deal late on, having convinced the Glazers that he was worth it for the commercial impact that he'd have on the club. Um, and I do think you have to look at the social media following. I think Al Nasser, uh, their Twitter went up from like 500,000 to like 9.1 million uh, just because Ronaldo signed, so that's that the kind right? of it's it's, in, it's incredible. Uh, I mean, Ronaldo has a bigger in social what time frame, Laurie? Since he's joined, since he got yeah. announced, so in, what in, is it? Same, same with Instagram as well. Yeah, right? the, 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 so the, the following has just exploded. I mean, they've got more followers now than you know many. You know, so Roma, uh, Leicester, you know, sort of clubs, you know, that you'd think would have, you know, sort of decent followings. Um, and I mean, yeah, he's, he's he's bigger social media footprint than Manchester United even. So, um, so that was the idea behind that. And, and George Mendes was instrumental to that. And, and you know, he has a good relationship with Sir Alex Ferguson, for example, um, throughout the years. Uh, and but now that's changed. Um, you know, there's more reports in Spain that that's that's it. That they are have split. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at that. That's kind of the implication that we've got, although we haven't had it absolutely confirmed. But he wasn't involved in this deal. Um, and we talk in the in the article about why that might be. There's sort of different versions of what's gone on there where one idea populated by people that have a good idea, so it's not just pure speculation, but is that Mendes was ad- advising Ronaldo to not do the interview with Piers Morgan or at least not lay as much bare in that interview, you know, to try and uh, be diplomatic in the circumstances. And also, from a football perspective, actually stay at United. I mean, maybe it was it was, you know... A thankless task that and it was already broken there but you know that actually if you can finish your this this contract at Manchester United in a kind of positive way helping the team um, okay you're not going to be a starter every week not going to be integral but you can you know at least have that solid relationship with the fans because it does seem like it's it's become a little bit fractured with United fans I know not all of them and I know many will absolutely support Ronaldo for all that he's done for the club in previous years but it does feel like that's that's not quite as unified as it once was. And I think Mendes was alert to that fact. And so, yeah, so whether whether Ronaldo's then gone, well, actually, I don't appreciate the advice you're giving me. I'm, I'm going my own way. Or whether it was Mendes actually saying, OK, I've, I've given you as much as I can. Maybe it's best that you go alone now in this next step of your career. Instead, the person that's that's negotiated the deal, although we're, we're told he's not the agent in this deal, I don't know if that's a specific point to make, is Ricardo Regife, as you, as you mentioned, who is a really interesting character. He's known Ronaldo for just as long as George Mendes, maybe even longer. He was the uh, uh, representative at Nike who handled Portugal's 
um, relationships with that sponsor. So he would go to like photo shoots and things like that when Ronaldo was still a teenager at Sporting Lisbon. And it's been sort of 20 years where they've grown really, really close. They, they are friends uh, and he's become his personal manager since 2018. So he's, he's been you know absolutely at the coalface of Ronaldo's career. He's someone that United dealt with. Richard Arnold has spoken to him uh, at various levels. The communications team will have spoken to him to try and just you know get a sense of what Ronaldo was up to and, and whether he could do certain media appearances. Uh, and he's regarded as a very good operator from everybody that we speak to. So um, he's been the one that's actually had these kind of talks with Al Nasser. Um, and then Ronaldo also has had uh, some direct contact with them before signing. And also there's a lawyer involved as well. Um, so, but it's, it's yeah, it's quite a significant moment that George Mendes hasn't been involved in, as you said, Ian, at the start, the most moneyed move in, in football history. Ronaldo's negotiated this himself in part. I think in part, yeah. I mean, we, we were told that by one agent in particular that, um, and, and we've actually had this backed up since the piece came out uh, from other sources, that Ronaldo had uh, called European club um, executives himself, at least one for sure, uh, to sort of say, what about a move? And, um, you know, the, the response um, when we speak to people close to Ronaldo say, no, that, that didn't happen. Um, but then at the same token, you know, he has been involved in this move with Al Nasser directly so you know I don't know where that whether it's a, a call to say you know please sign me or whether it's a call to kind of just have a an introduction and a hello you know I guess these things can be interpreted in different ways but I certainly feel that Ronaldo has taken the initiative more than he ever has done in his own future and you could see that with the interview you know that was something him and Piers Morgan clearly have a direct relationship and he wanted to do that interview and he wanted to be as forceful with it as he was. So, you know, he clearly is at a point in his career where he's not going to be told by anybody what next steps to take. Nick, can you imagine being sat in your office on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, feet up, you know, happy running your football club, quite successful, and you just get a random call from Cristiano Ronaldo asking if you can join? Uh, that is bizarre, isn't it? It would be the sort of classic, um, you know, who's pranking me, Who's who's uh, which of my friends is putting on this kind of Portuguese accent kind of thing. Is it? I find the the, the Mendes thing is really interesting because the, the the film that was made about Ronaldo six seven years ago it's quite a good film but it sort of creates this image of Ronaldo living in this very strange world. This he obviously lives in a, a sort of not not entirely real bubble where he goes from his kind of house with high walls to training and then back again and he doesn't have any real contact with the the outside world. And I, I kind of spoke to the, the director of the film who pretty much said that was true as well. One of the only connections with the outside world was George Mendes. It, there, was, there was the impression given that he the, he didn't really wasn't really close to many people other than, you know, Mendes and his, his family. So to kind of break with someone who's not only guided his career for so long but um, but has sort of been a kind of friend or, or, or as close to a, a trusted friend as someone in that kind of position gets is is quite strange I mean is the Laurie is this kind of sense that he, he you say in the piece that Mendes basically said look just stay at United pal and make them make the best of the situation is that because Mendes had basically gleaned that no one else of sufficient stature in Europe wanted him. That is the only reading I can take. You know, he, he surveyed the scene. We, we heard all last summer that Mendes was doing his utmost to try and get Ronaldo a move that he wanted. 
um, Sporting Lisbon is one that springs to mind right now, um, where um, the money of that thing would have been difficult. But it was it was proposed to me that um, could the owners of the club um, help with the finance of that, like kind of put their hands in the pocket. Um, ultimately, the coach didn't want him, Almerim, um, a, a positive young coach, and I think he pushed back at that. You know, he was diplomatic in public, you know, saying you know maybe maybe not. You know, we, you know we can have a look at it, but. I think behind the scenes he pushed back. So, so Mendes was well aware, and there's, there's multiple examples. You know, Bayern Munich have, have said they got contacted. You know, so, so many clubs have actually. It's kind of been odd. Borussia Dortmund have come out and said we were contacted, and thanks, but no thanks. So it does sort of represent where he's at. And I think it's not just, and, and this is not to denigrate his his talent because he, he still is a. You know, I mean, he scored a goal at Everton this season. It was a brilliant finish for and uh, won the game for Manchester United. So he's clearly a an incredible talent still and he's, he's had so much great service but I think it's just the whole package that you get with Ronaldo that clubs are looking at so not, not only the financial but as you've touched on there this idea that he will just find it so difficult to be told you're on the bench today um, or you know this this player's starting instead of you and actually can you give me 20 minutes at the end of the game it, it, it just basically it seems to me he is absolutely I have to be starting every game um, and clearly he will be at Al Nasser. I, I find it really fascinating how he will actually perform on the pitch because he's so used to, you know, these huge games with with great crowds. I mean, like I said, last season, I mean, he scored so many pivotal goals for United and he had such a connection with the fans, even though there was all this other stuff going on. And you can have understanding of why he was so annoyed at what was going on because you had Ralph Ranick, you know, in charge, um, who had previously been a sporting director and two coaches who had never got anywhere close to the level of Manchester United running the session. So you can understand why he's looking at this going, what is going on here? Um, and whilst all that was happening, you know, he was going off to Portugal and he was having his hip flexor injuries. Um, the fans were were still in adoration of him. And so from that, a really febrile kind of organic atmosphere at Old Trafford and various other grounds around the country, I'm interested to see how it will be in a, in a league that, Again, not to have a go at Saudi Arabia. They're a developing football nation. They've got a great football heritage. We we saw that at the World Cup, didn't we? The, the amount of fans they had in, in Doha, uh, the way they beat Argentina in that game was fantastic. But it's a, another level for Ronaldo. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see how he adjusts to that. Yeah, that's one aspect of it which seems unusual to me as well because, you know, you know we we sort of have talked a lot on Talk of the Devils, the United podcast from The Athletic, about Ronaldo's drop-off this season. I know Kyle Anker would be shouting at me at this point saying, well, it, it was dropping off last season, but it, it's actually only, what, nine months ago that Ronaldo finished the season scoring nine goals in eight Premier League games. Um, and obviously everyone talks about the Premier League as, as one of the most competitive in world football. And obviously since then it's been very different. The World Cup wasn't great. The start to this season obviously wasn't great. There was no pre-season, uh, of course, with him, with him missing that because of issues off the pitch. Um is Saudi Arabia going to be the place where he shows that there is still life in the old dog yet? That I don't know, and that'll probably be one of the interesting aspects. There was a bit in the um, the unveiling um, where the Al Nasser uh, head coach Rudy Garcia he, he made he he made what he presumably atta- uh, was intending to be a kind of funny joke when he was sitting in the press conference room, this packed press conference room, and he's kind of said, oh, well, you, you're all turning up today. There's usually only about three or four of you here after games. And it was, it, you know, it was intended to be a kind of, you know, you, you clans are only showing up for the big famous man. But at the same time, in playing, 
you know, in the normal course of things, people don't really care about these these games, you know. Um, so it, it's a, it's an, an indication that while we know that there is a kind of there is a football culture in Saudi Arabia, it's it's not going to be of the the the, the attention levels that um, Ronaldo is used to. There was also an interesting um, snippet from Aral Namzwi. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Who's a analyst for Twenty First Group who responded to Ronaldo saying, you know, um, people speak but they know nothing about football I know the league here is very competitive um, and, and he says uh, based on their models that the standard is worse than League 1 but better than League 2 now if that is the case it, it would be remarkable to see Ronaldo I mean surely he's banging in hat-tricks every game in that case Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's fascinating, isn't it? And There are some... There are some sort of known players, shall we say, in the league, um, including at his club already as well. Uh, Abubakar, who had a, a, an interesting World Cup scoring that memorable goal, is likely to be a strike partner. Um, th- there are some names in the league that that have been in the Premier League in recent times, people like Ahmed Aghazi and things like that. But yeah, I don't think the standard's anything like what he's been sort of battling with in the Premier League. Um, on the flip side of all of this, Nick, is he is he going to raise the standard in in the Saudi Arabian league is his influence and and him playing in that league going to attract more people and actually raise the quality there is is there an aspect to this move that okay you know you could be cynical and talk about the money and everything else but just to play devil's advocate for a moment you know can he do some good for football in the country, it's possible. I mean, one of the things he, he did talk about quite a lot. He was quite keen to mention that you know he wasn't just there to play. He was there to help try and improve the league. He was trying to you know bring his experience 
you mentioned um, raising the profile and um, and improving the standard of women's football three or four times as well, which was interesting because it was entirely unprompted, and he was you know he was obviously very keen to to push that as well. But when you kind of you, you look at um, other examples of this happening in the past, like uh, as in you know big players who have succeeded in Europe or South America and on international stage going to lower standard leagues for a lot of money at the end of their careers whether that's you know Qatar years ago with players like Batistuta and Desai there's always very sort of mixed reports about the long-term impact that they actually had David Beckham in MLS for example I think that um, most people would say and you know happy to be corrected on this but I think most people would say that he certainly raised the profile of the league um, whether he actually his you know him being there raised the standard of the league I don't, I don't know um, I think that's probably quite debatable so yeah Ronaldo undoubtedly raised the profile of not only Al Nasser but um, you know the, the Saudi league in general whether that will actually translate into improving the quality of the league or improving the quality of the Saudi national team I think that's it's, it's impossible to say and but but you would guess possibly not you, you can construct an argument to say that Beckham raised the standard of the MLS just because like you say because he raised the profile it ends up having more eyes on it revenue goes up as a result more people are interested more people are engaged more people are aware that it's a it's a career path to go over to the MLS as well um, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure MLS would argue as well that people like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Andrea Perlo, David Villa, etc., 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 made the move after Beckham. Stephen Gerrard, another one, of course, who went to LA Galaxy, and you know, did Beckham make that a more open, acceptable move for people? I don't know, but maybe we'll see with Cristiano Ronaldo that that Saudi Arabia becomes a, a more appealing place for for players to go and play as well. Um, the thing for me, Laurie, with all of this is when when Ronaldo did that interview with Piers Morgan, I think you said at the time and, and others as well, it was, a, it was a commonly held opinion that it was sort of him trying to force his way out of Old Trafford. Well, the detail in your article says that Manchester United were willing to subsidise his wages to leave Old Trafford in the summer. I don't really think they would have stood in his way to leave in January either if this if this offer was on the table. So was the interview all a bit needless in the end? Yeah, possibly. Um, I think he wanted to get his version out first. You know, he, he, he I think he cleared his locker before doing the interview, so he knew he wasn't going to go back to Manchester United afterwards. Um, and yeah, I mean, I suppose it does sound a bit contradictory, doesn't it, that United were willing to assist uh, an exit in the summer Um why would you need to then explode the thing to get you know a free transfer almost? But I think did he did he necessarily know that he was going to have a contract termination after that interview? I don't know. You'd think he would do because it's you know it's, it's clearly the next step. But maybe he felt that he would still get paid his wages. I don't I don't know. Um, when actually United looked at that and going and took the you know, the quite dramatic action. No, we actually we're basically going to sack you. Um, you know the, the mutual termination of, of a contract is the fair representation. I suppose I should just say for I don't know any legal <laughs> recourse, but um, but yeah, I, I think that they they, they realised it was a you know untenable situation. You have to you know sever ties immediately. Um, like I say, I think from Ronaldo's point of view, he wanted to make sure that his voice and his experiences were heard. Um, and perhaps explain to United fans, appeal to United fans where he was coming from, 
um, because otherwise, you know, we saw him, you know, storm off before the end of the game against Tottenham in full view of everybody. And that, I think a lot of people reacted to that in a way that, you know, he, he might not have anticipated in the sense of he looks spoiled there. He, he looks like he's not a team player and, and whatever you've done in your career previously, you have to be together with your teammates in moments like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think everybody concerned understood where it was going and it was pretty quick, actually. I mean, Man United can take quite a long time to decide things like this, but actually in this case, I think it was decided pretty quickly and it was just the lawyers that going through the fine print that, that took it, you know, a few days to actually fully confirm. He's definitely helped entrench uh, pro-Ronaldo and anti-Ronaldo football fans, Nick, hasn't he? I mean, your piece has, has got over 350 comments and most of them are just arguments between... <laughs> the people who've commented about whether Ronaldo's right, wrong or somewhere in between. I'd love to find someone who has changed their mind about Ronaldo in the like the last couple of years or something like that. Mm. It is very much a sort of, you, you think what you think about the guy um, and, you know, not much is going to alter that. I, 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 if there is anyone out there listening who has uh, who has over in the in the past year either gone actually I used to hate this guy but now he seems like a stand up bloke or the other way around I'd, I'd love to hear from you because yeah you're right it's it, it, entrenched opinions um, I haven't read most of the comments but I assume you know Messi gets brought up uh, in a lot of those as well when you know Messi's not mentioned in the piece Messi isn't usually mentioned in any of these kind of discussions but the 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 people that love Ronaldo seem to think that everything is um everyone who expresses any kind of negative opinion about Ronaldo must be you know in the pocket of big Messi or whatever um so yeah it, it, it's it's I mean it's to be it's to be expected I don't think anyone uh, anyone is particularly surprised that he's a player that um elicits very strong opinions I'm still being of a slightly uh, older generation to a lot of these these people I am slight, still slightly baffled by the concept that a lot of people uh, the, the way that a lot of people consume football now is not necessarily to follow a team but to follow individual players so actually we uh, on we don't like to go on about the, the our, our epic journey too much across Europe we, we went to a Bayern Munich game and we encountered some some people who were very much like this they they were uh, they had come from Senegal to watch Sadio Mane. They hadn't come to Munich to watch Bayern play. I can't remember even remember who it was what was they were playing. Werder Bremen. Thank you. Um, they hadn't come to 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 watch this Bundesliga match. They'd come to watch one specific player. I, I can understand it, I suppose, but it's a slight, still slightly alien concept to me. And Ronaldo is just the sort of the most extreme version of of that, I suppose. Yeah, actually, I think Laurie that Ronaldo whether he intended to or not, has helped create the cult of following a player and passionately defending that player if there's a reason to as well. The the sort of Ronaldo v Messi narrative is the embodiment of you following a player wherever he goes and supporting him no matter what. Yeah, well, it, it kind of stems from the Ballon d'Or, doesn't it? Where um, it was every year this um, this referendum on Messi or Ronaldo and Ronaldo certainly made clear his feelings on the matter that he should be regarded as the number one each time so I think then if you are of that opinion you have to back him and it's a binary thing um, you know clearly there's in reality there's you know dif- different shades of, of grey and uh, I, I hesitate to say 50 shades of grey there um, there's 
there's there's um there's all all kinds of nuance to it but that idea that someone has to win at the end of it okay well okay come on lay your cards on the table who is it then and and as you say i think that then fosters a kind of you know a growing army and also the fact that it's social media social media now is just so um all consuming isn't it with different platforms that you kind of get in it in different ways every time you look at your phone and and people therefore feel like maybe they have to plant the flag in the ground um yeah it'd be interesting if that then i mean i think saudi arabia must be a good market for him right that this must be a place where um, he's had lots of people that are supportive of him. I mean, uh, I don't know if anyone mentioned, but me and Nick went on a trip, um, and, and during our trip, sort of each place we got in, like we got on a taxi in Istanbul, for example, and you know the guy says, "Where are you from?" Manchester. Ah, Ronaldo. So it's like you know his his fame does translate, you know, geographical boundaries, um, and I think Saudi Arabia is sort of another example of that, and. It, yeah, it will be interesting to see how much they lean on him for their growth because this is all part of a bigger um, project, isn't it? You know, we're, we're talking about the 2030 World Cup is, is in the horizon. Um, but even uh, beyond that, it's this idea that Saudi Arabia wants to diversify their economy, um, you know, be more open to Western tourism. Uh, Mohammed bin Salman's on record recently is talking about that and how this is, you know, another step towards the Middle East being a centre of, you know, the, the global um, landscape and, and 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 why not, you know, the, the guy that's got the most followers in the world on Instagram, you know, seems like a pretty good ticket to sort of get into that destination. How does it work with Portugal also going for the 2030 World Cup? Well, so, yeah, this is something that we were told that Ronaldo won't specifically be um, sort of engaged in campaigns for World Cup 2030 in Saudi Arabia and, and Greece and Egypt, which is the kind of package at the moment. I don't, I don't think they've officially launched. And then, as you say, Portugal are also in the running with Spain and, and Ukraine. Um, also, Argentina are in the running with uh, a few other South American countries, uh, with Lionel Messi, who's also an ambassador for um, Saudi Arabia, which Adam Crafton did a brilliant piece on. If you can check that out, just the kind of the entangled web that that is. So it's, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, so yeah. If he's not going to specifically promote the 2030 World Cup in Saudi Arabia, I suppose that leaves him clear to you know give his blessing to Portugal's bid at different moments. But but the wider um, picture is that everything that he does is kind of really now in support of Saudi Arabia, right? Like it's it's he's there, he's kind of giving it this this glow, this kind of acceptance, as we mentioned earlier. The um, Al Nasser um, sort of Instagram account has grown exponentially, and and just touching on what Nick was saying earlier about and yourself about whether you know people would then see this as a a more viable destination for them you know footballers um yeah i think probably you know you, you look at that there's a lot of footballers that look up to ronaldo massively and think well okay if he can do it then then why not me nick is this the last time we'll do a podcast on cristiano ronaldo or do you think <laughs> do you think that the, there is going to be more from him how, how do you see the next few years going for him now i mean he's always going to do something isn't it i mean there there's 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 obviously been Lots of talk about various clauses in his contract about he could leave for. I mean, Newcastle was the one that's been mentioned a lot. But I think, as far as I'm aware, that's people just kind of putting two or two together. Um, and uh, you know, I think Eddie Howe has said, yeah, that's not happening. But I, th- I think there is. I think it's been pretty widely reported that there are clauses in his contract that which will allow him to leave for a Champions League club, or at least you know maybe go on loan to a Champions League club. So, you know. When he uh, when he does that, when he goes on loan to you know some German team that get into the Champions League or something, then we'll be back here, I'm sure. Can you see that happening, Laurie? 
Well, I mean, that's what Beckham did, right? LA Galaxy yeah. went on loan every winter, didn't he? Uh, PSG. He had a Tory Europe, basically, didn't he? Yeah, it, it's it's um, kind of crazy to reflect back on it because it was, you know, the LA Galaxy were perfectly happy. I mean, that shows the power that he had at that time as well. So it wasn't just a contract really with the LA Galaxy, was it? It was a contract with the MLS, which is kind of similar to what Ronaldo's got, right? It's not just a country with this club, it's the league and also even the country, the state, really. Um, we'll see I mean, how good his negotiation skills are, eh? Well, that's it. I'm, I'm just—I was just reflecting, actually. I mean, I called it the most moneyed move. You've called it the most moneyed move. But on reflection, so um, Joe Pompliano, uh, a respected journalist in America, has done a thread um, last night about Beckham's move to LA Galaxy, and he says that actually Beckham's move is is worth him five hundred million dollars, which really, on reflection, would—I suppose it's still Ronaldo. Does he just edge it with his per year deal? But. Um, that's because as part of his as part of his deal when he first joined, I get Beckham, the calculator out. I know. I think this is actually quite a close call. I'm not counting the pennies anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I suppose once you get to those number of zeros, does it? Do you really notice it? But um, yeah, when Beckham was 31, he joined LA Galaxy, and that was quite early, right? I mean, Ronaldo's 38. We do have to reflect that actually, this is still this is at an age where most people have long since retired. So he's nearly 39. He's 39 next month, isn't he? Good point. Yeah, and he's 38 I mean, until he's 39, of course. <laughs> 38.75, we'll get the calculator out. Um, yeah, so incredible longevity for Ronaldo to actually be, you know, he was United's top scorer last season in the Premier League. Um, but when Beckham joined, he was 31 and he took a 70% pay cut from 20 million a year to 6.5 million, uh, this is dollars a year, um, to head a league that was barely 10 years old. And But as part of that, he got the opportunity to purchase an MLS franchise for $25 million, which sounds like a lot of money. And actually, was was 150% more than the latest club to be sold at that point. But the values rocketed since that point. So he he was well ahead of the curve on this one. And now, you know, uh, Inter Miami, which is his club, is worth reportedly more than 500 million dollars. So yeah, so he he had foresight. And you wonder, Ronaldo, you know, clearly he's thinking legacy, isn't he? He's thinking family wealth for years and years and years. And um, I mean, I I did wonder. Jorginho Rodriguez is his you know, partner and, and, and very influential in his life, actually. Um, and I wondered, would she be okay with you know Saudi Arabia? She's, you know, I think she, he met her in a fashion store, didn't he? So she's she's got a lot of things going on herself uh, in her own world. But as Nick mentioned, Ronaldo was sort of mentioning the the women's side of the game in Saudi Arabia, and I wondered. It, I'm just drawing joining the dots here, and maybe I'm wrong, but is that something that Jorginho has sort of said? This is what I want you to be also focused on and, and growing. You know, female participation because it's obviously been a key pillar of MBS's um, reign over Saudi Arabia, and we can debate whether or not that's you know legitimately happening. Um, but you know, in terms of actual people speaking about it, that's been something. So there's lots of different elements to this that will be interesting to kind of trace as the years go on. Brilliant. Remember, there's plenty more coverage of Cristiano Ronaldo where that came from up on the Athletic at the moment, including Daniel Taylor's take on his move to Saudi Arabia. Ed Mackey's also got details about the Saudi Pro League that awaits Cristiano Ronaldo in the Middle East as well. More from Nick and Laurie, of course, on the Athletic right now. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now and take advantage of our offer of £1.99 a month for the first 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. But Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.